while we were still weak, the right time Christ died for ungodly. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationships with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Would you just bow with me and, and pray before we look at God's word this morning? Father, thank you so much for the fact that you are a risen Savior and that you were willing to send your son Jesus Christ to the cross to pay the price for our sin. And Today we celebrate the fact that uh, Jesus didn't just die on the cross, he rose again the third day so that we could have life through him. And Father, now in the next few moments, as we look into the word of God, I pray that you would touch our hearts, that you would speak to us, and that we would understand even a little bit better who you are and what it is that you want to do in our hearts and our lives. So thanks for the opportunity that we have to meet in this way today. In your name, amen. Well, happy Easter. I know that uh, this isn't typically the way that we celebrate Easter together, but I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning, and uh, I want to talk to you about um, a tree and a decision. And I know that may sound a little strange, but I think as I unpack it over the next few moments, you'll understand uh, what it is that I'm talking about. Picture with me, if you would, an empty canvas, nothing on it, just nice white canvas. Now watch in your mind as the artist makes the first few strokes on that canvas. And think of a picture. And as that artist is putting those first bits of color on that canvas, that picture begins to come to life. And the more that the artist adds paint and layers, the more that the scene becomes vivid and becomes real to you. I've stood on a cliff before looking out over the ocean and in front of me there were some artists with their easels all set up and they were, they were painting the picture in front of them. And I was looking at this beautiful view and I kind of snuck over to look at over the shoulder of one of the artists hoping to see the picture and see their take of the picture. And I hate to say it, but I was sorely dis disappointed. Uh, it was an abstract painting. It didn't look anything like the scene that was in front of me. But in my mind, I thought that I was going to see just, just the, the exact scene that was laid out in front of me. Because that's what we want. We want a picture of something that is so beautiful. Well, that must have been what it was like when the greatest artist ever created the scene of our world, creation. God, with his brush strokes of his breath, breathed into existence all of creation, every bit of it, all the world that we know. All of the little insects and the animals and the birds, all of the flowers and the trees, the mountains with their lakes and the oceans, the vast heavens with all of their stars, God, in his creative genius, 
put all of that together for us. And part of that original design was a garden. And in that garden, he created a man and his wife. And Genesis paints a picture of a peaceful environment, a wonderful relationship between God, the creator, and the created. They were made, they were made the likeness of God and for fellowship and relationship with him. Genesis says that they spent time together. They walked together in the garden. But God, the creator, didn't just create these people. He also created every element of the environment that they lived in. Listen to these verses from Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused the garden to grow out of the ground and every tree that was pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Think of the wonderful feeling of living in a place that was created just for you. The people that you're living with had nothing to hide, zero guilt, no feelings of inadequacy, no judgment, and nothing to keep you from being 100% you, the person God created you to be. Now let me read a few more verses, verses 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. There was a tree and a decision. Did you notice it? Back in verse 9, God placed the tree in the garden, including all of the trees that were found in the garden, all the food that they had to eat. But he placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And he told them all about it. He placed the tree of knowledge in the garden and he gave them a choice. He gave them the choice. He explained the consequences of taking from the tree, but the choice was theirs. What an incredible picture of God's love. No control. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I love you too much to do that. It's here. It's bad for you. It's your choice. Then we come to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Let me read this for you. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave, gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. A decision had to be made. Scripture tells us that the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, the sin nature that was created was passed on all men. That's you and that's me. We know that this decision immediately separated us from our Heavenly Father. And he was disappointed. That great communion that Adam and Eve had was broken. They were separated from God. Now, 
I know that God didn't sit in heaven and wring his hands. And I know he didn't call a meeting of the Godhead and say, now what do we do? Look what Adam and Eve have done. They've ruined it all. Nope. Immediately, God had a solution for Adam and Eve's decision. And the moment the decision was made, the shadow of the cross was cast on eternity. The moment that Adam and Eve made the decision, God provided a solution. He planted the seed that became the tree that made the cross. He created the man who cut the tree that became the cross. It was his choice. This would be like me creating the disease that would eventually kill me and knowing all the time that I was creating it, that it would take my life. John said it this way in John chapter 1, verse 3. He said, all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. In other words, placing the tree in the garden wasn't a mistake. Growing the tree that would, that would become the cross wasn't a mistake. Colossians 1.16 says it this way, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. So think of this. Jesus, a member of the Godhead, perfect, in perfect harmony with his Father, created the tree that would require his life. In the midst of his perfection, there was a tree and a decision. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, make this statement. Let me read it for you. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. And just as you yourselves know, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Isaiah 53 says this short phrase, the Lord was pleased to crush him. This tree and decision was by grand design, God's determined plan. He foreknew that this was going to happen. Jesus' appointment with the cross was not a mistake. It was a choice. It was a calculated, well-thought-out plan. Max Licato wrote these words in one of his writings. He said this, that Jesus was born to be crucified. But not only was he crucified, he was the only one who ever defeated death and the grave. He paid the complete price for my sin. The price for sin, Scripture tells us, is death. And he paid that price by raising again or rising again the third day. And today, our celebration, our Easter celebration, is the empty tomb. The fact that Jesus Christ beat death and the grave. We have a Savior who completed his work. So the first tree and the first decision, Adam and Eve brought guilt 
and condemnation and death on all mankind. The tree, the cross, the second tree, and this decision brought totally different results. Why did Jesus make this decision? It wasn't to gather a crowd or to make him popular. The reason for this choice, this decision with this tree, the cross, was for me. It was for you. It was for us. He gave life to those who were dead. Forgiveness to the guilty. Healing to the broken. Freedom to the condemned. Release for the bound. Hope to the hopeless. This tree, the cross, is still asking for a decision from you and from me today. Jesus made his decision, and now he is asking each one of us to make a decision as well. Follow along as I read these verses for you from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Folks, the decision that Adam made brought death. The decision made by Christ at the cross gives the opportunity for life. The decision that you make today can bring you life or keep you in captivity. Did you notice the verses? Notice the verses as we read them. Well, we were helpless, it says. I think about where we are right now, the day that we're living in right at this moment. Ever felt helpless before? This is a time when we all feel helpless. Think of this. There is a little tiny virus that you and I can't even see. We can't identify it. With our naked eye, we have no way to know if we're coming in contact with it. We are completely without control. This little virus that we can't see has the ability to affect all of us when we were helpless right now. You and I are helpless. It goes on and it says this, while we were sinners, while we couldn't save ourselves, we couldn't pay the price for our sins. And then it goes on and it uses this word. He says, while we were enemies of God. 
It doesn't just mean that God is over here and he's right and he's holy and he's just and I'm not. It means this, that we are at odds with one another. God is holy and I'm a sinner and because of my sin, I'm an enemy of what is right. In that time when I was helpless, when I was hopeless, when I couldn't do anything about my sin as a sinner, when I was an enemy of God, Scripture says this, that at just the right time, Christ died on that cross. Remember the cross that appeared, the shadow of of the cross that appeared when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? Jesus Christ, at just the right time, died on that cross and paid the price for your sin and for my sin. He didn't just die there. He rose again the third day. And by his death and his resurrection, this passage of scripture in Romans tells us this, that we have been reconciled to God. It is because of what Christ did that I can be restored. And so right now, right at this moment, God places a cross, a tree, if you will, and an empty tomb in front of you and me. And the choice is ours. We get to choose between life, forgiveness, our sins paid for, or living life our way, doing things the way we think will make us right with God. The choice is yours. A long time ago in my life, 42 years ago, hard to say that, but it's true, 42 years ago, I chose to follow Jesus Christ. I chose to accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me, for my sins, so that I could be free, so that I could have hope, so that I could have new life. Making the choice is easy. As a five-year-old, I understood. I understood the fact that I was a sinner, a sinner without hope, a sinner unable to make myself right with God. And because I understood it, I came before God and I asked for his forgiveness. I asked if he would make my life clean in the simple way of a five-year-old. And today, guess what? It's still that easy. It's coming to God and asking for, for forgiveness of the sins that you've committed and asking him to give you new life. It's admitting that I'm a sinner, unable to change my status before God on my own. I cannot, you cannot, save yourself. But Christ has already made the payment for my sins and for your sins. If you'll only repent and ask him for forgiveness, you can do that right now. You can say what we call the sinner's prayer, and I want to lead you in that prayer in the next few minutes. If you feel like you're at a point where you 
know that you're helpless. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you're not right for, before God, but you want a relationship with him. You can pray this prayer with me. If you want to do it right now, just bow your head and follow me as I pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing that I can do by myself to make me right with you. I know that I am unable to pay the price for my sin. I also am aware that by Jesus Christ going to the cross and being a sacrifice for me, he offers me the gift of forgiveness. Father, please forgive me of my sin. Give me new life. You be the Lord and master of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for starting me on this new journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love to chat with you. If you have questions, maybe you, you heard what I talked about this morning and you don't completely understand it and you have questions, I'd love to chat with you about it. On the screen, you'll notice a website where you can get a hold of us. You can contact us, and we would love to, to talk to you on the phone, to email with you, to text with you, whatever way possible, to answer your questions, to help you in your new relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us today as we've celebrated the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a life. He died on a cross. He paid the price for our sins. He rose again the third day, and now he's alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. And we want to celebrate that together as a body of believers. We're going to close this morning with a song. We're going to worship together and sing a great song, Jesus Paid It All. And we can be so thankful for the relationship that we have with him because he paid the price for us. Thank you.